Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. Well, this morning we are sitting down with Dr. Nathaniel Dreiblatt from the Annapolis Symphony Academy. And did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Nathaniel Dreiblatt. Right. Awesome. And where? What? What nationality is that? It's Israeli. Okay, really. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I would have picked that up. Um, last name is German Ukrainian. Um, I, I may have gone and, that way. And that that yeah, Nathaniel is the uh, Hebrew version of Nathaniel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are the founder and executive director of the Annapolis Symphony Academy. That's correct. And you are also the Annapolis Symphony Orchestra's concert master. Mm-hmm. What is a concert? See, now, okay, before we get into this, sure. I'm coming from a point of ignorance as far as music goes. I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I love it, I appreciate it, but I don't know it. Okay. Um, so what is a concert master? A concert master is a fancy word for the first violinist in an orchestra, uh, the first chair. Okay. It's um, a lot of uh, organizational roles, arranging parts. It's uh, during rehearsal, making sure that the section sounds good, that the music director is hearing what he actually is looking for. Um, at the end of a concert, there is a lot of uh, social interactions that the concert master will do. It's a combination of the Queen of England. Sometimes I like to think about it as, and and then the prime minister as well. <laughs> and the conductor is the president, so I'm fair, somewhere in between. Fair, fair enough. I do know enough about music that mm-hmm. the uh, first chair is an important chair. It's a it's a good one, and you do, uh, it can't be a slouch to be in the first chair. And I was looking at your bio, and you have collaborated with some Yo-Yo Ma, mm-hmm. Ishtak Perlman. Uh, you've played some of the most prestigious rooms or concert halls or venues worldwide, Carnegie Hall. Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got quite the resume. As you come here to Annapolis, mm-hmm. how did you end up here in Annapolis? I um, completed my master's 2007 at the Peabody Institute in Baltimore. And a friend of mine told me that there was an opening for the concert master seat at the symphony. Fresh out of you know grad school, I figured I should take a stab at it, and it worked out. Uh, I also teach a lot, so having a full-time National Symphony, Baltimore Symphony style job for me would have taken me away from traveling and teaching and doing things like that. So the Annapolis Symphony actually, because our schedule is a little bit more spaced out, uh, gave me a lot of those opportunities to to be here and help the symphony here instead of just a full-time job somewhere Okay. Else. All right. That makes sense. Well, I'll tell you, you know, one thing that I love about Annapolis, and I think hopefully you'll agree, but we have a, and I hate to say it's hidden, but we have such, for a small town, such a great, robust art scene. Absolutely. Um, between the symphony, you know, the ballet, the opera, you know, we've got live music in the bars every night as well. And, you know, just the physical art scene that we see around the murals and the paintings and everything else. And it's really come to its own in probably the last 10 years. Now, the Annapolis Symphony Orchestra has been around for like almost 60 years, I believe. So, yeah, 60 next season is our 60th anniversary. Oh, damn, they're still a little bit younger than me. Huh? Ah. I'm getting <laughs> but, back. 
<laughs> Were you? But they're 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 they're, pro- they're probably almost three times as uh, as as old as you are. So I mean, I, you were I, one would wish, right? Now I'm almost forty. Are you? Yeah. Wow, you look great for your age. I know, right? I'm, yeah. I have the, still the baby face. That's that's that's. I guess I'm it. sure your listeners can tell. Yeah. But... <laughs> that's what that's what playing the violin must do for you. Okay, kids, yeah. if you want to look you want to look young, play yeah. the violin. <laughs> play the violin. Um, but the Annapolis Symphony Academy is a an offshoot, a child, if you will, of the Annapolis Symphony Orchestra. Absolutely. And as far as I understand, it's to cultivate the love of music from today's youth to bring up tomorrow's symphony orchestra performers. Absolutely. Is that is that fair to say? It's a very large part of our mission. Um, I'll backtrack a little bit if you if you won't mind. Um, I, I you you brought something up that was very interesting. There is a robust art scene, and it's continuously growing in Annapolis, not just on the music scene, but in any other art form. Uh, we just, uh, we're starting to think of ourselves at the symphony as no longer a hidden gem. We're trying to put ourselves out there, and the academy comes into that uh, equation because we want to make sure that we don't just play on stage. We go back into the community and affect some change. So that's one part of why the Academy was formed. Another part, of course, is looking at the future of classical music, looking at the future of the orchestra, primarily also as it relates to diversity. That's something that we take very seriously. Uh, the League of American Orchestra, which is a body that governs most of the orchestras in the United States, determined that about 4% of orchestra musicians are minorities or Four. come from minorities, 4% only. Wow. So that, to us, was a staggering number, and we decided that through the Academy, we're going to try and, in our own little area here in Annapolis, uh, serve as a model to see if we can affect some change. There are a lot of other programs along the, uh, around the country that do something similar, uh, but with the Academy, we have a very unique model that we believe does not exist anywhere else in the country for h- how to handle diversity. It's kind of a 50-50 model where we try and mix up as much as we can, 50% of the students that are minority backgrounds and 50% that aren't, and integrate them one next to the other so they know how to play together, how to interact, how to understand each other a little bit better. Well, you guys are really uh, you know, change makers, if you will, in, in this thing. And, and I, I've got to say, I'll, th- I'll throw a shout out to you all for what you did during COVID. Um, mm. You know, there it would have been very easy to Walk out of that door, turn the lock, and say, "Okay, we'll see you when this is over." Right. Um, but that's not something that you did. I mean, you guys went online. You you took what is a regional audience playing at Maryland Hall with six or seven hundred people in the auditorium, and expanded this to worldwide. People mm-hmm. could come in and see your performances, absolutely, uh, and and they can replay them in the comfort of their living room. And and obviously, let's let's face it, you lose something watching it in. No matter how good your television is and your surround sound and everything else, it is not the same as sitting at any seat mm-hmm. in any 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 symphony hall. Absolutely. And, you know, COVID, we can start by agreeing that we wish it never happened. Sure. Um, that That's a universal truth. But it did teach us a lot of things. Um, it kind of, in our mind, both at the orchestra level and the academy level, accelerated things that were going to happen anyway or realizations that we needed to have about our industry that pushed us to just do them right now because now we had to rather than, oh, we're going to take a few years to figure this out. 
whether it is Symphony Plus, which you alluded to, where we performed live streams and taped concert for our audience and it did go worldwide, which we're very, very grateful for, or the Academy itself, where we just transitioned all of our activities, the private lessons, the orchestra training, and our workshops over to Zoom. Everything overnight just went straight up online because neither our patrons nor our students needed or should have had any break from what we're trying to do, especially during pandemic where people are locked at home and there's not a lot of interaction. Music can serve as a really good tool to, one, relax you, and two, provide you that connection with the outside world uh, for the period of time until we came back in person or we are coming back in person next year. Which is fantastic. I mean, I think uh, when COVID first hit, everyone thought, okay, well, we'll hunker down for a couple of weeks and we'll figure this is over. That, that was a thought. Uh, you know, I mean, gosh knows, I, I certainly did. But uh, it's so good to see that live performances are coming back. I know that Ramshead has booked some, you know, rock and roll or yes. concerts into Maryland Hall going into the fall. So that's it's very, very encouraging to see that we're uh, managing this as best as best we can. But why was there a need here in Annapolis for the academy? I mean, are we having this dearth of kids that, and I say kids, and, that, and kids could be, you know, very young to, you know, 18, I guess, that are, are just not interested in classical music or orchestra type music that we needed this? Or was this just a... I would dare to do the experiment of taking kids in. Actually, we don't need to do an experiment. We bring second year, uh, second uh, graders into the concert hall every year with a symphony. Second graders. Second graders. And they come in and they get out like with a different look in their eyes. We give them petting zoos. The question of whether they want to, I don't think there's a question of whether they want to do it. I think it's a question of accessibility and exposure. Uh, I think if I told you four years ago that the city of Annapolis did not have an after-school music program, like a music school, would you believe me? Yes, I would, just because I've heard about the the budget cuts in public education for years. Right. So That's that's the school system, right? Right. I'm talking about like after-school, like a conservatory-type program. You have one. uh, You have a lot of them in Washington, D.C. So there, there there was nothing in the city of Annapolis? Not for strings. Or oh. winds or brass. There, there is there is a small um, outlet of the people the preparatory at Maryland Hall, but only for instruments. So there were a few programs that over the years started and stopped. Unfortunately, we saw that, and we decided that we need to do something about it. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily a youth orchestra per se, because there is one in town. Uh, we're talking about lessons and workshops and master classes, things that you can do on a weekly basis, one-on-one with a teacher that in an organized fashion did not okay. occur. And so we've heard from, I heard from my past students that since then moved on to college and from parents and from teachers that they would have loved to have something organized that they can promote, that they can send their students to. And that's how we started designing the academy because there is a huge, still a huge void. We have 42 or 43 students at the end of this year. Next year, we'll grow up. It'll be even bigger. Uh, There are a lot of exciting programs coming in next year. But even for that number, there's so much more need out there. Well, I, you know, I I will say as a 
as an old guy, I really despise my mother for not forcing me to learn an instrument. And I, she didn't do it. And I was, I was happy as that as a kid. Right. But uh, as an adult, I, I wish I had that. And that probably would have, uh, can, would have hopefully helped me with my ignorance when it comes to music. Uh, but you're right, though. I mean, you know, you've got to get the, the interest there and the access to it, which right. is which is so so difficult. Yeah, and if I if I uh, you bring out so many excellent points. Uh obviously loving music, you don't have to be a musician to appreciate it. I would encourage anybody whether they studied an instrument growing up or not, come to the symphony and enjoy a concert. There's no way that, you know, you want to enjoy it whether you understand it or not. It's music. You, everybody understands it sure. to a certain degree. It's an it's an inter- it's true international language. Yeah, it's absolutely a universal language, but I would uh take it a step further to your listeners that are listening and have children and grandchildren at younger ages or actually at any age while they are still developing, the, the body is growing, the brain is developing. Music and studying music is perhaps one of the only ways that connects both sides of your brain at the same time, all the time. If you were looking at a math equation, one side of your brain is going to be primarily occupied with it because you have a logical side and an emotional side, right? If you went to see a, a, a thriller, an emotional movie, um, that will be another side of your brain. But when you play, you need to count your measures, but there's an emotional content to your music as well, and it happens all at the same time, and now you have to multitask. And there are a lot of research that's coming out about how children's brain and the connections between the left and the right side of your brain develop differently whether they played music or whether they didn't. So there are now physiological aspects that make, in a simple way, make us smarter if we start music, or at least primes us for for greater things if we start music from early age. And we're talking as early as four years old. Uh, you can you start developing those left and right side connections and until you are 18 or 19, which, again, if, if, you do, if we do a little bit of research, it's one of the reasons why universities seem to like students who are on their extracurricular activities mention that they do music. They, there, are, there are scholarships there for people. A lot of my students that did music went to be architects and a lot of other wonderful things that they wanted to do. And and got scholarships because they were mentioning that they did music. And I actually checked with some of the universities that said that's something that they are looking at. It's not the main factor, but it is definitely a supporting factor because they do understand what kind of physiological effect studying music right. has on the brain. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. What... Uh, let's talk about the program at the Annapolis sure. Symphony Academy. I mean, how does one... I mean, what are the program the the separate programs? I know that there are some different levels. Obviously, we're not putting a eighteen year old that's been playing for, you know, maybe you said it, you said by eight, so you know, for twelve years mm-hmm. versus, with somebody that's just starting and whatnot. How does absolutely what, what do you have What do you have going with the Apple Symphony Academy? So we'll do it chronologically by age. Okay, I think it will be easier to organize it, and then even that that chronological order will kind of split into. So the easy way to explain this: we have a new program next year. It's called Discovery, and that's for the four to seven-year-olds that just never were exposed to music, want to start learning about basic rhythm, note reading. Uh, We will have a couple of teachers that do percussion instruments, 
all sorts of various ways to interact and learn the basics of music that helps us get prepared to play an instrument. So that's discovery. That's the first aspect of, of our development. Then we get into what we call the virtuoso pathway, which is the comprehensive music teaching that we have. It's private lessons every week, an ensemble assignment, which we'll talk about in a minute. We have guest workshops. Some of our soloists that come to the symphony then come to talk to the kids, or we had a violin maker come, we had a neuroscientist come, talk to the kids about the effect of music on their brain. They didn't want to let him go, by the way. They, they had so many questions. And then each one of our students uh, is eligible for a free subscription to the symphony because we want them to come and see a concert. So if they study with us, they can come to all of our concerts for free. So that's the virtuoso pathway. There's a lot more into it, but those are the four big pillars of it. And then you have the ensembles. So Lyra is a chamber music uh, ensemble or ensembles for the students who are just beginning. We just got our instrument. We're learning how to play with it. We want to learn with some other students aside of our private lessons. So we do that. Once we graduated from Lyra, we can go to Aries. Aries is a youth chamber orchestra where every student can you know, interact with a slightly larger group of kids. The level is a little bit higher and it prepares us to go into the top orchestra at the Academy, which is brand new next year. It's called Orion. It's brand new and it's very special. It's special in a very simple way that um, our music director at the symphony, Jose Luis Novo, is going to conduct that. That is very unusual, that the music director of the parent orchestra, the professional orchestra, is coming on a weekly basis to work with the kids. But the even better part about Orion is that people who uh, apply and and are accepted because it's a high-level uh, youth orchestra, are completely tuition-free. Their orchestral tuition is waived. So they may still pay the portion for their private lessons, but we'll give them a scholarship equal to On Onto the Orion, Orion Youth Orchestra. Free. Yeah, absolutely. But so, the, the other parts you, you mentioned about Discovery and Lyra and Aries, I mean, that is a tuition-based type of a... Yes, okay. and there are two ways that one can uh, approach that. So... The Virtuoso Pathway is the comprehensive program, and it includes one of those assignments. Uh, you can choose to do that. The only requirement that the Academy uh, is holding its students up to is that we require that you take private lessons weekly, because we know that that's kind of the meat and potatoes of maintaining sure. a good level. Yeah, put, put skin in the game, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You can take it with us, and that's where the Virtuoso Pathway comes up. Or you can take it outside of the academy and we'll just verify with your teacher that you are taking lessons. So if you take individuals of pathway, your lessons, your ensembles, which is Lyra, Aries, or Orion, your workshops and your concerts are all covered under the same tuition. If you choose to do it outside, then there is a different a price little, point right. yeah, for that. Um, one, and it's really important for us to make sure a lot of the time accessibility, we're solving that problem, but affordability is an issue for people. Uh, no matter what incomes level you may be, we have ways to help. Title I schools where the kids receive free meals at school are complete waivers. They don't pay tuition. And then we have a system for financial aid. So if there is any financial hardship, and that is what stops a parent from sending their kid to any one of our programs, um, come talk to us. We can help. 
My mom always said, you know, you, you never know until you ask. Absolutely. Uh, and and there are ways. I mean, you see that in any of the youth programs, whether it be music or arts or just anything in general. Uh, there are adults and people that are willing to help that want to nurture. And um, there is a way. So definitely you've got the scholarships available or the financial aid available. To we have that. amazing donors. And last year, over f- we have 40-some students, 42 students. We gave out $60,000 in scholarships. So money shouldn't be an impediment to following a love of music. Absolutely not. If you like it, you want to do it, we'll help you do it. Wow. So this, so I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the discovery portion of that. So I mean, sure. you're taking these little kiddos, these mm-hmm. little, little itty bitty ankle biters mm-hmm. and, and instilling this love of music with them. Absolutely. And, and I, and I guess there's probably some people that get in there and go, yeah, I, I'm not getting this. And that's fine. I mean, but the ones that, Feel it mm-hmm. uh, that have their left and their right side of their brains, you know, you know, saying I, I, I get this. They're the ones that are going to come up through this program that are going to, you know, just going to really thrive with what you're doing. Yeah. It, it, at the top, I'll start again at the top end. We don't expect all of our students to be professional musicians, right? We would like them to. Be. The world needs doctors. The world needs doctors, <laughs> lawyers, pilots, whatever, whatever you want to be. But we also don't want to deprive students the option of going that route if they want to. And it starts at four-year-old. When you go in there and you start reading notes and you start clapping, you start having fun with music, you start listening to music, understanding a little bit, playing on little xylophones or percussion instruments, then you start getting the neck for it. And we can then very easily see who can like really progress with music we would encourage them to do that. We would encourage their parents who will then go in and explain the various benefits that music has physically, emotionally, mentally on a kid that um, would be beneficial for their long-term growth and their entire life. We, I, I jokingly said the world needs more doctors, and I did neglect to mention that you are a doctor as well. Uh, you're not doing appendectomies, I don't think. Uh, I can. I would. Tr- I would trust me with it. I mean, everybody can do an appendectomy, <laughs> I'll give it a but shot. you know. But what 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 is your doctorate in? Is that it's in music? Okay. Okay. So I, I jokingly say that I heal the musicians, but no, it's it's it basically a doctorate in music means you have taken your art, both uh, performance wise, but also your studies, to a, a slightly higher level. It, it gives you more credibility as an educator. Okay. It really, the doctoral degrees in music are primarily geared at giving you that educator uh, role. Okay. Okay. More information on this is at tunedtoyouth.org, and that's all spelled out, T-U-N-E-D-T-O-Y-O-U-T-H. How, how do I, as an adult that has an appreciation for music but zero talent, support you know, the Annapolis Symphony Academy through the ASO or? Uh, one, I, well, let's find out about the talent. Maybe you do have talent. Yeah, I'm recording here. This is where it ends. You know, but uh, how can you support? There, there are several ways. Uh, one, support the orchestra itself. The orchestra is a parent organization of this entire thing. So it was designed to be a part of the orchestral mission for the Annapolis Symphony. Supporting the orchestra supports the academy. Uh, we have concerts that the students perform. 
January 15th next year is the first ever concert for, concert for Orion. And much like the Academy, Orion does not – that model does not exist anywhere in the country. Now, Orion, you said, is just starting up, right? In the next... No, Orion is the top youth orchestra. It's in, at right, the top but of I mean, the... it's just starting up oh, for you for – Absolutely. Yeah, in September, the first rehearsal is middle of September. That's it, great. It's brand new. And as I mentioned, it does not – there is no other youth orchestra that we can find in the country that does what we do with Orion. No, pr- no pressure to start it in September yeah, well, and have a concert in January. S- small things, right? And, um, of course, the philanthropic members of your audience, uh, because we're a nonprofit, we are always raising the bar on what we can do for the students. And, consequently, we constantly raise more money for the students. Sure, that's what makes the nonprofit world go around is that generosity of uh, you know people that get involved in it. And, right. You know, if music moves you in any way – um, just out of curiosity, I mean, you've got a love, obviously, for classical music. Absolutely. Um, what is on? I, I would say iPod, but that's kind of a outdated term at this point. So, I, like I, I, machine. What's what is what is on your phone playlist that is not classical right it's now? It's not classical. That would surprise me. I show to you, and please I tell me those. it's like the Violent Femmes or something like. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something. Um, well, I'm picky about the violin. Uh, show tunes. I love the soundtracks. I I love movie soundtracks. I will listen to anything that has a beat and a melody. Anything. I might not always know. And I have some things on my iPod that I I wouldn't recognize the lyrics. I would probably know a little bit about the band because I put it on my iPod. But I will listen to everything with a melody and a beat. Okay. Really. Well, it's it's funny. Again, I'll, I'll talk about my appreciation and lack of knowledge about music. Uh, Merryweather used to host a festival called the Warped Festival, and it was just like a just a giant conglomeration of national acts and lo- some that I knew and some that I didn't. But they had a lot of uh, not a lot, but several screamo, what I would call, you know, where the guys were, rah, 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 you know. And my kids were there when they were younger at the time. They're like, "On, Dad, what the hell are you doing here?" And I said, you know what? I said, I can appreciate the talent behind what they do. I totally can. I get it. I'm not running out to buy their next album. But I appreciate what they do. And I, I want to be exposed to that. I want to hear whether it's, you know, that and it's not my thing. Country Western. I don't like country Western music. Mm-hmm. That's just a preference there. I love uh, I love symphony. Uh, right. I do. I do enjoy ballet. You know, again, Annapolis has just in Maryland Hall with the resident companies that are there has just such a wealth of, you know, what we've got here. We're just so lucky. I mean, they've done such a wonderful job taking what was a former high school and really developed into a regional, if not world class, performance facility. And I know they they've got big plans to expand upon that as yeah. well and they already have as well and we you know we've got another one that's coming on board with the MC3 that uh is really going to help Annapolis enhance their whole arts absolutely there is uh, the good thing about Annapolis that there's something for everyone right art-wise. absolutely well i'll tell you what i'm going to put you on the spot here for a little bit all right um I happen to notice that you walked in with like a violin strapped to your back, okay? And I go everywhere I've, I've with it. I've already shown my talent that I've been able to push the buttons and turn these microphones on. So uh, if, if you are the first chair in the concert master, um, let, let's prove your metal. Can you play something for us? Sure, I could. <laughs> It'll take me a second to take it out of the box. You know, as, as, as Nathaniel is unpacking his violin, and I get it right, it's a violin, correct? Yes, it is. Um, uh, and I was told I need to stay at least ten feet away from it because it's probably worth more than my house. But that's, uh, <laughs> but it's expensive. 
as as I read your uh, your biography, it said that you uh, once played for the King of Norway. Yeah, and now you're here in Eastport. So I'm going to say that was probably just a warm up for this. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, he approved me coming here. <laughs> when when did, what age did you start playing? Uh, six. And do you play any other instruments other than the violin? Not well. I mean, I can try play a little bit of piano. Uh, my brother is a cellist, so I try. Okay, you know, I can play a little bit. Um, so it's viola all strings, regular, pretty much. Yeah. So. All right, so a couple of minutes for music. Just do it. This is awesome. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> That's the shorter version of that movement. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, uh, Your turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I stepped on my cat's tail earlier this morning. We don't need to hear that noise twice. Okay. <laughs> what how how old is that? What how old is that violin? Um actually not not as old as, as the violin is it's modeled after. This uh was built two thousand and seven, so we'll give it fourteen years. Okay. And what what did we just hear? We just heard the third partita by Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay. It's a great piece of music. It's a part of a six, um, it's a suite, so a bunch of dances, and there are six suites, primarily, uh, sonatas and partitas for violin. Uh, the, the, the most, the interesting, most interesting thing I can tell you, aside of it being great music and really the genesis of a lot of great violin writing that preceded, 
is that Bach actually wrote most of these pieces while he was sitting in jail. Okay. So, who's, who's your favorite composer? Oh. Or, or is that like asking for <laughs> your favorite kid? That will take a little while to, to yeah, uh, unpack that. But if we, if we looked at a favorite composer, it will be Tchaikovsky, Mendelssohn, the great romantic composers I, I'm a very big fan of. And in fact, we are going to perform the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto starting up at the beginning of our season, October 1 and 2. So I invite everybody to come enjoy. It's a great concerto. Absolutely. You want to go to the parent organization, which is annapolissymphony.org. Uh, you can get tickets and uh, we can see Dr. Nathaniel Dreblatt in the first seat yep. of the violin. He is the concert master. Uh, check out the Annapolis Symphony Academy, which is tunedtoyouth.org. A incredible opportunity for a love of music in our youth um, to, to continue to allow them to foster that uh to be old guy like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, but a lifelong love of music. It's it's fabulous. I'm so excited just to see the symphony come up with something like this. Uh, I jokingly say when my kids took music in public school and elementary school, uh, the only thing worse than hearing, and my daughter did play violin for a hot minute, but it was the only worse than the only thing worse than listening to her practice that for forty five minutes a night at home was going to like a first grade concert and listening to a hundred of them do the same thing at the at the same time. But what was amazing when you turned around by the fifth grade, absolutely. I, I mean, you put them side by side, and I mean, it sounds like this cacophony of cats getting their tail stepped on on the first side, and then it's like. Oh my gosh! There's like serious talent there. Uh, we they sort of dropped off the interest in middle school, but then I saw when the high school um, orchestra played during graduation, mm -hmm. you could see how that progressed up there, and it was like, wow, this is you know the talent is phenomenal. So it's so critical that we do nurture that youth talent and and expose them early. I mean, honestly, you could expose it to me, and I don't think just because I'm old and set in my ways that I probably and I wouldn't say never, but uh, wouldn't get. I think the, you'd be surprised. At, at what you can do with a violin yeah, at any they, age. You get, I, I, agree, I agree with you, but I think that the level of dedication and love yeah. for it um, is probably going to come very much become much more difficult for me as an older adult than it would be as you know. And I, 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 I look at a, a four year old in the discovery program. I mean, mm -hmm. and it could be nothing than just somebody sitting there, just like. That's all there is to you know keeping keeping a beat on the on the table yep. and going you know hey I, I this is it I love this right. um, and you know just to sit there and see what we got I you know you I'm I'm speechless at what I just heard and um, I I'm so enthused about the programs that you're you're bringing here thank you John and I you know I understand that you you know you were the founder and the creator behind this and you know thank you. Um, you know, from the community for bringing this. I appreciate it. There, there's a great team of people at the symphony that help it happen. Go to tunedtoyouth.org. Find out all about it. And we are here with Dr. Nathaniel Dreiblatt, uh, who is the concertmaster for ASO, but he's also the founder and the executive director of the Annapolis Symphony Academy. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, more importantly than your time, thank you for that little... Snippet of your, of your brilliance at the end here. That was, that was absolutely incredible. Thanks for listening to this week's Local Business Spotlight. 
please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.